You know when you're working a night shift and it's 3 a.m. and it's like, are we drunk or delirious? I'm Emily. And I'm Hannah. And you're listening to Drunk or Delirious, a night shift podcast. We're done. Almost done. Thank God. Oh my God. Seriously. (laughs) I've never been so relieved. Oh my God. Our listeners probably feel the same way. It would like take, I don't know, so much out of us to like talk about this every week. And watch it again and like taking notes on it. I mean, it's one thing to like listen to the episode, I'm sure, but it's like, yeah. I don't know. Type it out and like, yeah. Yeah like have to pause and be like okay this is what just happened and this is what this fucked up thing that was just said and like what he did and like yeah so it's been yeah interesting well you know we've learned a lot about ourselves through this process and Mm -hmm. um i think we both think like we probably won't do something so dark next time but yeah we are committed when we start something we're not gonna we are going to finish it you know right like i'm not I'm just going to do a couple of them and then be like, sorry guys, no, we're not going to do the whole series. No, even who knows if you give a shit, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) Probably not. But real quick before we start, how was your spooky weekend? It was a really, really good weekend. We didn't end up doing anything on Friday, which was awesome. (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. so happy we didn't. Um, And then um, Saturday, yeah, we dressed up. I dressed as people saw, I'm sure, on our story. Dressed up as um, Winifred Sanderson, and <laughs> it was really fun. And Dan dressed up as a um, out of or deeply in the closet Air Force pilot, is what he was saying. Basically, he wore our neighbor's like Air Force pilot costume and had a like lacy bralette underneath it <laughs> wait why um, I don't entirely know I know her husband um, really likes to just like go all out like just super slutty on Halloween like he he literally wore like a corset and like fishnets and like he likes to it's hilarious um and so he got the costume from them and I think it probably just I wasn't there when they were like picking out the costume I think it probably just escalated like oh well he's wearing this so Dan you should wear this like it was just like okay fuck it I love it you look so good oh my god I was shook Emily just sent me that selfie and I was just like Oh my gosh, iconic. It was so good. So <laughs> I'm good. like so proud of myself for how it turned out, honestly. Like I I didn't have any expectations. Like I went into doing my hair, like I was just gonna do space buns. And then I put yeah. space buns in and I was like, mm, that doesn't really like give it the full effect. Yeah. So yeah, I watched, I saw like a quick clip and I was like, okay, that's a good idea. And then just like fucking went for it. And then, so good. yeah, it was fun. 
It was really fun. Yeah, and then I drank too many different kinds of liquor, and yesterday was extremely rough. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, How was your weekend? Not going to lie, disappointing. Sad. But it's fine. What did you guys do yesterday? Um, We went to a haunted hayride, and it was like the weirdest experience of my life. Oh. Yeah. It Well, I have never been to this one before. Um. And I don't know. It was just not – first of all, it wasn't scary. And, but it was also just, like, weird. Like, they, it, it started out strong. Like, I thought, like, okay, like, this has potential. I was, like, a little bit scared. And then, and then they would, like, stop the hayride. And then it was, like, people with a microphone, like, hey, how are you all doing tonight? Who's going to be in my soup? any volunteers like I was like this isn't scary this is stupid it was like a performance there was a lot of kids on it too so then like I feel like usually at haunted houses like kids don't go it's not really a thing for kids but there were a lot of kids so I was like this is probably a red flag because if it's tame enough for kids then it's gonna be like not scary which right so it was weird and then like this group was god, they were like hillbillies and they were just being obnoxious the entire time. And they were like yelling at the people like, oh, my God, you're so hot. Like, what's your Snapchat? And then like, um, like, oh, yeah, I can scream, too. And then like every time one of the scary people would like scream, then the, the other girl, the like girl on the ride was screaming back at them. And I was just like, you are so obnoxious and I hate you and you're ruining everything. Oh, they sound so, terrible. Yeah. So that was dumb. It was kind of a bust. I mean, it was just like, it was funny. Like we were like trying to make the most of it, but disappointing. And yeah, I didn't dress up. So disappointing. Um, oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. Next year. I, I don't know. Next year. Literally I need to like request off. Yeah. On Friday. I haven't Saturday. dressed up in a while. So this was, yeah. It was fun. I miss dressing up. Yeah. It's so much fun, but you have to like have somewhere to go because I've there's been years before where I have dressed up and then I think it's going to be all like if you don't have like a specific party to go to or something and you just it can be like so disappointing because you're just yeah. like, oh, this isn't like as much fun as I thought. Totally. Yeah. But it's okay. And then tonight we're just going to go out to dinner and maybe I'll like put on a scary movie or something and that'll be fine. It's like kind of like. It's like warm here, but it's kind of like rainy and gray. So it's just kind of like a good okay. movie night anyway. That sounds lovely. Yeah. Honestly. So let's jump into episodes nine and ten. Yeah. Um, the ending. Crazy. So episode nine starts out. Jeffrey is in prison. It's the Columbia Corrections Facility. And he starts receiving all this fan mail which is like so gross um the fan is saying how there's a comic book written about you and that people are dressing up as you for halloween and like it's so cool and i love scary stuff and she sends him five dollars and just like very twisted that he has fans but i think it's always kind of been like that like i don't know people cross the line of like being interested in this stuff but then like actually idolizing people like Mm -hmm. i mean obviously we know like ted bundy had a lot of fans too Mm -hmm. which is so gross um and then he's like sitting alone at lunch i wrote even in prison he can't make any friends (laughs) um and he like 
he's, I don't know, trying to like get attention or something, but he was eating chicken and he was like, you ever notice how this looks just like a human thumb? He's just like yelling this out into, into the whole lunchroom. Um, and then he's like, at least that's what it looks like when I'm done with them. And everyone's just like, what the fuck, bro? Like, I mean, they're all prisoners, but like, they're still like, they're not all murderers, you know, they're like, what the fuck? But yeah, they're not the way that he is. No. (laughs) God. Also, side note, I wonder how many people dressed up as him this year. I know. I was thinking that. Um, If you guys see anyone, let us know. Let us know if you've seen some uh, Dahmer costumes out there. Yeah, I don't don't know how I feel about that. I don't love it because it's like... Yeah, there's one thing to dress up as, like, a character. Yeah. But, like, as a literal serial killer. Yeah. I think that's... human beings. Yeah. I yeah. Know. I think that's where the line is blurry or, like, it it can become blurry because we're watching a um, a, a show with an actor in it. So it's, it's like, it can seem similar mm-hmm. to, like, Friday the 13th or, like, Michael Myers or something like it can seem similar to that but then it's it can be easily forgotten that it's like no this isn't a character this is right this is real so I think it's wrong but I can also understand how people like it can get confusing I think yeah totally but don't do Um, it yeah please um okay so then Glenda and her daughter are packing up at the motel the next scene. Um, Glenda is moving back into her apartment after they've finally done whatever they needed to do to the the building. Um, And her daughter is really against her moving back in, but Glenda doesn't want to let Jeff win and have the satisfaction that he scared her away from her home. Um, She says, he's taken enough from this world. He won't take my home. I won't let him. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be so hard to do. She lives like so close, like shared a freaking wall with this dude. Like, I don't know. I know. I think she has like a lot of pride, but I don't know if I could do that. No. Um, Oh my gosh. So then it's back to Jeff. He gives the prison guard $20 to buy him a whale soundtrack um, because it helps him sleep. And I was just like, because, like, throughout the whole series, there's, like, all those whale noises, but you don't know that they're whale noises. It's just kind of, like, a creepy soundtrack. So then when I made that connection, I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, you know, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit. I was like, I didn't know that. I didn't realize it. I don't it. think I made that connection. Oh, really? No. Because it's I like. just like, why is he doing that? Because he's being fucking annoying. That's why. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, he is. But, yeah, like, throughout the series, it would be like, like at the ends of episodes or something and it just sounded like eerie sounds but then when he's playing his whales it's those sounds and I was like oh but it's weird and random because mm-hmm. I was I was like really stuck on this the second time watching it and I paused it and I was like did Jeffrey Dahmer really get like a whale sound like what is this and I can't find any proof that that was real I don't know why they chose to include it it seems kind of weird um I read I was reading on Reddit a little bit and someone commented and was like I remember whale sound whale sounds being and dolphin sounds being really popular in the late 80s early 90s um 
like you know how we use white noise or like we have uh-huh. apps with like rain and stuff i guess i don't that know apparently that was like popular so maybe that's why they were just like oh it's just i don't know i don't know it's huh. just kind of weird and random but um he did that and everyone was all the prisoners were complaining about it because they thought it was like people getting killed like they thought it was screaming which i don't think it really sounded like screaming to me but they were creeped out um and then he gets it taken away <laughs> yeah and that's the scene like, yes <laughs> like okay you're an idiot um and Tony, it goes to Tony's mom, and she receives a copy of the comic book about Jeffrey Dahmer. And the person who sent it to her wanted her to fucking autograph it. I like, That's I can't so, with all like so there's so horrible. many fucked up people in this world. Um, and she goes to a lawyer and wants to get the comic book taken down. But the the lawyer encourages encourages her to go after Lionel in the book that he is writing. Yeah. Also, there's that. But we which we talked about last episode. Um, and then she's convinced by him when he says Lionel will most likely make millions from this book, and he doubts he will share any of the money with the victims' families, which is probably probably true. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of awkward. Yeah, because. She was like kind of against it initially because she was like, I feel like I would, I want to go off Dahmer, go after Dahmer, like Jeffrey, not -hmm. necessarily his family because she kind of, she was, she's a very, she's portrayed as a very empathetic character and she's like, Mm -hmm. you know, these poor parents went through a lot too. But then I think the lawyer kind of convinces her to kind of go after him. Um, And then... Lionel and Sherry are they're all excited about the success that he's had with the book which was kind of weird to watch because I don't know I was just like you're making profits off of your son who Mm -hmm. killed 17 people just seems kind of gross but like I understand him wanting to help other parents see the red flags and the warning signs but on the other hand I just don't like seeing them excited about that like yes like oh my gosh we're successful in this like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all weird. It's like, that's another gray area. It's just like, mm. yeah. It's like twisted. Mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, Lionel's lawyer breaks the news that the victim's families will be entitled to the profits of the book, which like, I think they hundred percent should get all the profits. Um, because it, it can't even begin to like (laughs) be enough. Honestly, like it's never going to be enough. No amount of money will ever be enough because they'll never have their children back. Um, and then the families are also going after Jeff's money, which he makes like 25 cents an hour at his job in prison. Um, and I was just like, yeah, take it all. Like he deserves nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. Jeff's deserves absolutely nothing in this life. Um, it, this part. <laughs> I just, like, can't with this family. Like, everyone, this family has just got such the shit end of the stick. But Conorak, Conorak's dad gets a call from someone anonymous saying to go back where you came from and get on a boat and go back. Um, And we find out later who it is. Um, I fucking can't. Uh, The son who was molested by Dahmer is having a nightmare about being tied to the bed and Jeff standing over him. And then he... Then Jeff starts drilling into his brother's head and trying to scream, but nothing coming out. Um, it's just really like showing the ongoing 
torment and PTSD that he will literally live with for the rest of his life um, and that his family will also live with. Um, and it shows that their mom has cut Conrad out of all of their family photos and um, is crying because they won't say his name anymore. Like they just don't bring him up and talk about so him. Sad. It's awful. Yeah, he he completely destroyed, I mean, multiple families. But, yeah, it's just really showing the mm -hmm. aftermath, you mm -hmm. know. Because at first it's, like, the shock of, like, the immediate shock of what happened. And then it's, like, actually living with that forever. Like, it's permanent, you know. It's just <sighs> really, really sad. Um, And then, like you know, going back and forth from like seeing Lionel and Shirley like excited about their success and then seeing like the reality of like these victims' families. Like mm -hmm. I just and then like seeing Jeff in prison like honestly not really having that bad of a time at, at this point anyway. Mm -hmm. Like Yeah, like, he's like chilling. Like he likes being well. Alive, so Yeah. He's eating well and he's uh he's able to like persuade the guards to get him stuff and he's getting fan mail and stuff so he's literally like barely affected barely sorry he's yeah. unable to actually feel any remorse um and then next scene it's very jumpy this one it's like very all over mm -hmm. the place but the next scene is like uh, the the cops who led conorak to his murderer um it shows them being honored um, as officers of the year in front of a huge crowd and everyone is just clapping and I, I don't It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't think this happened in real life, but they were I hope not. back onto the force, but I don't think they were honored in this way, but but it, yeah, it sure does piss you off. Like, quite literally for what? Like, what were you honored yeah. for? Like, I'm sorry, I, I think you should be in prison, actually. You literally got a child to murder. So. You were completely negligent mm -hmm. and responsible. Um, so that's disturbing. But they probably did that to just so, show the, like, juxtaposition of, like, Glenda. Because then it, it jumps back and forth to Glenda. She's sitting in her room maybe with, like, I think it was, like, maybe 10, 20 people. Small little shitty room um and she receives like a citizens award and like you can hear like the the crowds cheering for the two police officers and it's like a nice fancy event and then you see glenda and it's like you know a pitiful applause mm -hmm. and she stands up and accepts the award and she says under one condition that in the future you do better don't let this happen again but it's just like it's not very encouraging because we know that there's not really going to be like meaningful change because yeah. we're still still dealing with the same problems today. Exactly. Um, the next sheen, sheen <laughs> the next sheen shows Conrad's family. <laughs> Conor, Conrad's family seeks out legal help. They are seeking $10 million for them. And also when Dahmer's belongings are sold, that all of that money um, will go to the families. Also that like they're like auctioning off and like selling all of Dahmer's belongings is wild. And that people are just going to pay 
thousands and thousands of dollars for some of his shit. I'm just like, oh, every these little details are just so fucked. Mm-hmm. More fame and it's just ass backwards. Uh-huh. Glenda is experiencing flashbacks in her apartment of the sounds that came from next door. Um, I literally, yeah, I have no idea how she's able to live back there. Um, I would definitely not be able to, like, just the trauma from all of that. Um, but, yeah, it's also, like, a place of privilege, though, being able to say that, because we would be able to just move somewhere else, and, like, obviously, a lot of people do not have that liberty and um, can afford to do that and run away, so. Right. Um, and... It shows her not being able to sleep, and then Glenda goes down and joins all the other neighbors in the hallway, uh, which is like where they all get together at night um, to sleep because they're all terrified. Um, and then the landlord ends up kicking them out of that area in the morning due to safety reasons. And he says if they want to break their lease, there will be no penalty. And if they choose to stay, that they're going to lower their rent. Um, by 25%. So sad. All these poor people are just like traumatized. Even the ones who weren't living next door, like Glenda had the worst of it, but I'm sure everyone has like a story of like, Mm -hmm. they know him, they've seen him or like seen the guys that he's brought home and stuff or Mm -hmm. heard things or smelled things and absolutely right under the same roof as them. So that's really sad and scary like he ruined I mean I think it's just like it goes just down the grapevine like he obviously directly ruined all these the victims families lives Mm -hmm. and his his own family's lives and then just like even just the people that I'm sure people that he worked with and like yeah the people that he lived with in this building and his community and just on and on really but Mm -hmm. um uh, it shows Connor dad getting more anonymous phone calls of whoever it is saying more racist shit, um, trying to threaten him and scare him, which is really gross when you find out later who is doing that. I mean, it's gross no matter what, but it's like extra gross. Um, and then it shows Glenda going to the memorial service for Connor and she meets the family and she speaks with um, his dad and she basically tells him like, I'm the one who called the police and, Like she's apologizing. She said she never should have trusted them and she should have done more. And he was like, nope. He he was like, it's okay. And you did everything that you could do. Um, Yeah. But she, it's, it shows that she really starts to have a relationship with this family, but I don't know if that's, I don't know the truth behind that or not. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. To do it like that. Oh God, I could just like all of it. I can't even imagine like that guilt that she was holding on to as well from that. And just horrible. Right. When obviously it wasn't her fault, but like no, she feels so directly involved. Yeah. Like, like she was there and she saw him in that condition and mm-hmm. she knew. And I don't know. Yeah. It's um, really heartbreaking. Um, then it shows Lionel visiting his mother in a nursing home, we think. Um, she's like nonverbal, laying in bed, um, not really sure what she can understand. 
Um, he starts just speaking to her freely about the book, telling her that Jeff loved her and that she did the best that she could with him. Um, yeah. This was weird. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird. Like, yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine that situation either. Like, what you, what do you do if you smell weird stuff in your house and your grandson is bringing home guys and that makes you super uncomfortable but you think something's bad's happening to them but them being gay makes you more uncomfortable than them being killed question mark i don't know um (laughs) question mark um yeah and i just that scene makes me uncomfy like lionel because at first it's just showing lionel's face and it's not showing who he's talking to and then it shows her and she's just laying there, like, staring at the ceiling and her mouth is moving. And then, like, and he's just, like, ta- acting so casual. And then he's like, all right, well, I'll be back tomorrow. And then kisses her on the forehead and then walks out. And I was just, like, I mean, it's really uncomfortable to see, like, her in that condition, too. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't even show any, like, emotion about it, which I just thought was really – but it, also he's, like, a sociopath, so. Yeah, he's also – terrible so yeah but i was just like what this is weird just a weird little like side scene yeah um and then back to glenda um she's walking home with her daughter and they come across these boys who are taking pictures outside of their apartment building and they're kind of like mocking the murders they're like pretending to be killed by Dahmer, which is just so insensitive and Sandra, her daughter, breaks their camera and they were like pissed. They were, you know, they were like, do you think this is a joke? Like people actually died here. And then Sandra like kind of acts out and like breaks the camera. She just like knocks it out of his hand, right? Like she just like throws it to the ground. Yeah. Which like, I would do that. Fuck yeah, them. Yeah, bye. <laughs> um, and then they go upstairs. They're watching TV. It's an interview with Jeff. And she turns it off. Glenda turns it off. And she's like, it's just bullshit that he can go on national TV and show his side of the story. And yet, like, it's not focusing on, like, the victims or, like, Glenda who even, like, I don't think she wants the fame or anything. But, you know, there's other people who have sides of the story. And it's, like, only focusing on the monster. Um, And then, like, the cops come to their door and they arrest Sandra for breaking the camera. And I was just like, can you actually be arrested for something like that? Yeah, they said, like, assault or, like, I think, yeah, they were, like, assault of da-da-da, like, and damaging property or some shit. Like, okay. It was because it was two white men that were standing outside of the exactly. apartments. And, that, and, and it's hilarious. You know, like, the not hilarious but I like I'm just making this connection too like it's wild because how many times did Glenda a black woman call the police to come to the apartment building to check on Jeff and how many calls did it take a white person to make a call oh this girl this black girl knocked a camera out of my hand and the cops Uh came immediately and how do they even find out what apartment she lived in? Like, Good question, yeah. Oh. Could be a flaw I mean, in, the, in, the, in the plot, but but like... 
it's a really yeah, I mean, it shows the white privilege again oh yeah it's this whole thing is just the whole thing um fucking crazy and yeah then it shows this guy that goes and buys all of Dahmer's belongings for a hundred thousand dollars over the biggest bit the over the highest bidder um and then get he obviously wins that and he has it all destroyed which is amazing um he was like no no one is fucking buying this like we are getting rid of all of this trash um and that was great and it we yeah i know i love that um and then we find out that Conorak's family gets $850,000, not $10 million as a settlement. So cool. Thank you so much for that. Um, I mean, that's still a ton of money. And granted, this was what, in the early 90s? 91, so or, Yeah, 94. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so like, I mean, that's a little bit more now in today's money, but like, not a ton more. Um, and then... The man who destroyed all of, got all of Dahmer's shit destroyed goes to um, the, the synthesis. Oh my God, I was going to say it. I was going to, I can say this perfectly in my head. Speaking this last name, it's Synthasymphone House. <laughs> and gives him $32,000 for his cut of the belongings. So he gave all of that that money um, to the families, which is great. Does that make sense? Hmm? He sold, he bought them all. I don't, yeah, I was confused by that too, actually. Um, But he, cause he bid so he paid money to get Jeffrey's stuff and then he destroyed it. But then he did show up to the house and said, here's your cut. So I don't because, know. Because I mean, I guess where was that? Where did that money go? Right? Like, was it supposed to go to the families regardless? And then that. Um, yes, I think it was. Okay. I think so it that was. makes sense. So it was, I don't know how he got Maybe a hold he, of the money. He worked, he was, he used his own money. Like maybe he worked for yeah, whoever confusing. was going to donate the money anyway. I don't know. I was very like it wasn't very clear, but yeah. I know that they did give them give them yeah money as well. So long story. He gets thirty two thousand extra dollars, so that's great for them. Um, and then they get another phone call from the racist pieces of shit, um, and we find out it's actually the police officers um, that fucked up in this case also and trying to scare the family so i was confused by like their motivation of doing that though well do you remember racist they're super racist yeah they're just like complete assholes um i think they're yeah i think they're just like literally terrible human beings so yeah it's just it's so weird like i mean they can't have money motivation i don't think like i don't it's just so weird that they would harass these poor people after everything they've gone through like Mm -hmm. you're evil if you would ever do something like that it's just it's just so disturbing i I don't really understand how there's so many bad people in this world Um, 
then it's back to the um, Oxford apartments and the landlord comes and tells Glenda that they're going to demolish the building and she has 60 days to move out. Um, and she's just like oddly fine with it. Cause like at first it felt, I felt like she was being so stubborn about like, I'm not leaving. Like, and I also like, this is my home. I can't just like find mm-hmm. somewhere else to live right now. But then when he was like, yeah, we're demolishing it. She was just like, okay. <laughs> but um, she said that they should make it a memorial for the victims, like a park or something, um, which is talked about in the next episode too. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, and then, and then they are watching the Glenda and the other tenants of the building are just watching it get destroyed. And she kind of like, she has like a hallucination of seeing like Jeff in the window. Mm-hmm. Um, so just creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then it flashes to Jeff being in church while he's in prison. Um, Anna goes, he's so holy. <laughs> um, and this guy comes up behind him and stabs him in the neck. Uh, sadly, he survives this. Um, <laughs> this bitch like a goddamn cockroach. Oh, my God. Um, he keeps getting more fan mail. He's happy about it. And... Um, the fan mail says, they'll never kill you, man. You're like Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger. Jeff- Jeffrey Dahmer will never die. Yep. And and this is exactly what we were saying with the Halloween costume thing. Like, But this yeah. is even before, like, I think it's more understandable when you're watching Evan Peters, an actor, mm-hmm. act a certain role. But, like, that's crazy. Like, that this would... case is a, just evolving and you are like, yeah, I'm going to dress up as that guy for Halloween. Yeah. And then having comics and like, and yeah, idolizing someone like who eats people's hearts and fries them up and yeah, um, like on and on dismembers people. And yeah, I don't like that. How is that like something that you like look up to? Yeah. It's, like I that's really concerning that, that people – idolize that behavior because like i'm sorry you should be in prison as well because you're clearly sick that's the end of episode nine and then we'll jump right into episode 10 yep we sure will um starts off in chicago in 1977 um a man is leading a, a young man into his house for a job interview and things start to go south. He drugs the kid, the guy's drink, um, and then ties a rosary around his wrist. They start fighting, but obviously, the guy that did this is is huge. Um, he wins and hits him with a frying pan, strangles him with his belt, and drowns him in the bathtub, um, all while dressed as a clown. And so we find out this monster is obviously um, John Wayne Gacy. Um, it, yeah. And he, and then it flashes back to 1994 and Gacy is on the news because he is about to be executed by lethal injection. Oh my God. Did you watch the John Wayne Gacy tapes yet? I haven't. I would recommend. I didn't know a lot about him, but he's, um, he's something insane. I've heard a lot of podcasts about him, but I'd be interested to see like him talking. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're all interesting with like, these taped ones with their actual voices and stuff, but he's, um, he's like smug and pompous. Like he, he's on a power trip. Like he thinks that like 
like he, like one of his lines was like I still like when they were going to kill him he was like I still win because you can only kill me once and I've killed like 30 times <gasps> like Ew. he he killed like 30 people or something and he they he hit them all in the in the crawl space under his house yeah it was like um, one of those yeah insane Mm -hmm. but it was interesting that like these things were going on around the same Uh time and interesting how they brought that in because i think at the time like both of these things were on the news so it was like a big thing which is weird because this is like this is my birth year man like lots of nasty stuff going on (laughs) um then it goes to um, a good year my birth year <laughs> um so then jeff's being weird in the lunchroom by himself he was like he put like a full orange like you know when you were a kid like in so- playing soccer like do you ever put the whole orange slice in mm-hmm. your mouth like he was doing that in the lunchroom i was just like such a weirdo. oh side note i was on reddit and i was reading about some theories and stuff and a lot of people think that he had undiagnosed asperger's um which i think i mean makes a lot of sense to me like with his social he doesn't have a lot of like um social cues and and things like that i mean obviously more more than just asperger's because like people with autism don't aren't like Mm -hmm. murderers inherently Mm -hmm. but um yeah i just thought that was interesting i was like oh yeah i haven't really thought of that before but i definitely yeah he could definitely i mean he had something yeah um, so he was just being weird in the lunchroom by himself. Um, and then he put a lunch, another lunch tray on someone else's seat. Like he was playing pranks on people and then they sat on it and they were all mad at him. And it was just like, it's very childish and mm-hmm. he must be really bored because he's doing these things by himself too, which is exactly like when he was like doing the yearbook thing. Like he didn't have a group of friends that he was like, isn't this funny? He just has like inside jokes with himself, so which weird. is just bizarre. Um, and then he tries to give like an, this other prisoner his autograph and he's trying to like sell it to him for $50 for him to go and sell. Um, and he's just like getting away with everything and he's not even having a bad time. And he's, I said, he's just getting fat and eating well, but like that someone mentioned that he was like gaining weight and he's just getting away with stuff. Um, playing pink some people and he's just kind of acting like he's famous because he's getting this fan mail and it's going to his head um and then i know i hate it and then we're introduced to christopher scarver and he's like pissed um and he confronts him but he doesn't know what jeff did but he's basically like just saying like why are you acting like this you're like you're being an asshole and you're, I'm going to find out what you did. And then he does. Um, and he's repulsed by what he finds. He's reading all these articles in the papers about him cannibalizing people. And like, it, you know, he saw like about the 14 year old and, mm-hmm. you know, just the different things that he did. And he was so repulsed, but Christopher Scarver is a murderer as well. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if that was truly his motivation or if he was just cry cry yeah i don't know yeah both yeah i don't know he i feel like there's murderers have different like standards i I yeah like they're like oh i wouldn't do that to people or like i wouldn't 
you know, boil their bones or like kill 14 year old and like all that stuff, you know, like they have these, like, I don't know. Maybe in his head, he thinks the people he killed deserve to die. Yeah. Whereas the ones that Jeffrey killed, it's disgusting because they, but they were also racially motivated and Christopher Scarver was a black man. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, interesting. Yeah. Um, so it shows Jeff watching Gacy on TV who is saying he's a Catholic now and God forgives him and he's going to heaven basically, which is literally, I mean, if that's what you believe in, I, I highly doubt that that would actually happen. Um, but glad he, glad you're at peace with yourself. Um, I guess you're an absolute piece of trash, but um, Jeff is inspired to become Catholic himself. Uh, it's so funny how these like terrible people get so desperate and put on an act like this. Like he's just hoping his soul won't be doomed to the depths of hell. Um, just Jeff asks the priests why there are so many of us, um, meaning like serial killers, I think. Yeah. That's what he meant with that. And he says, some say it's the interstate system. Like you can dump bodies far away now. Uh, World War II, dads with raising, or dads with PTSD raising kids, or an increase in porn. And Jeff tells him that he thinks he's different from John and Gacy because Jeff actually admitted to everything he did and he wanted the death penalty. Meanwhile, Gacy is still denying his crimes. He asks if the priest believes God has forgiven him, uh, Gacy, for what he has done, but he's really asking for himself. The priest tells a story of Jesus on the cross being crucified next to two criminals and how all you have to do to be saved is to believe that Jesus is the son of God, implying that Dahmer can be saved. I don't think that that's, um, no, just like no, but um, giving... That was wild. Yeah. There was a lot of wild Catholic stuff going on in this, in these last few episodes, which is triggering. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just so crazy. Like that you really think that all it, all it takes is to declare Jesus, the son of God. And that's what gets you into heaven. Like, I don't know. I don't think that you can fix. There's certain mistakes in life that I think everyone makes, but I think there's certain things that like, that's not a mistake and that's not like something you can just apologize for and like go to heaven. Like if that's, you know, what happens after we die. But I just, I think that if their souls live on, like he's living hopefully in hell and torment, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He should feel everything that he did to every single one of his victims. Like he should be for eternity. So anyway, I disagree with that priest. Um, Then and then Glenda's dealing with her um, like religious stuff as well. Um, And she's talking to her pastor about forgiveness. And she says that she's struggling because she can't forgive Jeff Dahmer for what he did even though there might be something wrong with his brain and she says she wants revenge and she wants to see him suffer. And she has nightmares about herself hurting him and making him beg for mercy. And she's scared of these like feelings of hate that she's having. And she wants to reach something close to forgiveness, not for Jeff, but for herself. Cause she's afraid that she's like losing herself. Um, 
And the pastor says that all she can do is pray for strength every day. And one day she'll see Jeff's face somewhere and not feel a thing. And I was just like, I don't know, like both of these priests and pastors, like they're giving this advice as if it's just like, oh, it's just so easy. And it's like, no, on both sides, like, no, it's not. It's not like, oh yeah, you're just going to like feel better one day. No, you're going to have trauma for the rest of your life and you're going to have to deal with that for the rest of your life, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's reality. So, yeah. Yeah, like how about suggest she go to therapy actually to like try and work through these feelings and um, come to, yeah, whatever. Okay, (laughs) but that's not a thing. Uh, Not in the 90s. (laughs) No. Um, Lionel visits Jeff in prison and Jeff says that he's on Prozac, says there's no booze in there and that was a big part of his problem and his dad agrees with that. So like, no, actually you're a serial killer. It's not because you were drunk. But um, Jeff tells his dad that he wants to get baptized and Lionel is all happy and says, that's wonderful, son. Jeff asks his dad for forgiveness and Lionel says, I will forgive you because you're my son. And I just like, I don't, yeah. Okay, cool. But yeah, he isn't the one that need like he, he just shouldn't be forgiven. I don't know. In my opinion, like you can't take anything that you've done back. Like you've ruined people forever. Um, but yeah it's not Lionel's responsibility I mean I know that like Lionel was affected as well but like it's not really like Lionel who you need to be apologizing to Mm -hmm. directly like he's more of a side note I mean I don't know I think it's it's more so the the victim's families but even like that apology doesn't go far enough like they will never take you seriously so Mm -hmm. whatever um Glenda goes to a wedding for one of the Synthasm phone daughters. Beautiful. And it just, it's showing like the relationship between Glenda and that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's showing some of the mothers of the other victims, like Tony's mom. And I think maybe Errol Lindsay's mom, like just a few of them were gathering and it shows that they were close after everything that happened because I mean, really, they're the only people who can really understand each other. Um, and they're just disgusted by the comics that were made about Dahmer. And Tony's mom is kind of like leading this little squad. And she's like, she wants to continue fighting against the comic books and about and against all of this to remind mm-hmm. people that their sons weren't just Jeffrey Dahmer's victims and that they had hopes and dreams and families and, you know, yeah. lives and everything. Um yeah. Those sweet parents. Ugh, I can't even imagine. Um, Gacy's death day was the same day as Jeff's baptism and an eclipse. Um, and the priest is just saying, like, Dahmer wants to be saved. It's genuine. Like, okay, well, he doesn't get to be saved. And we show it, then it shows Gacy um, saying his last words are, You can kiss my ass. So that's just. <laughs> nice so oh i don't know oh that just gives me chills uh gacy is dead and Dahmer is baptized and scarver the um gentleman who was 
researching him with all the newspapers and everything, um, is freaking out, asking for God's guidance on what to do with the info he has learned about Jeff in all of those newspaper articles he's reading. Oh, gosh. And then here's the death scene. Jeff, he's on work duty. He's, like, mopping the floors of, like, the gym and locker room, and he's on duty with Scarver. And they're, like, they the way that they made this look was as if it was, like, a setup. Um, mm-hmm. But I, when I was reading about it, it just kind of seems like sometimes they were just unsupervised because I guess Jeff had pretty good behavior and stuff, so... I don't know, which, I mean, that's crazy. It doesn't matter. These people are murderers. They need to be supervised at all times. Yeah. But it was like, like as soon as the, they were with another guy too. I think his name was Jesse. As soon as um, the other prisoner goes to the locker rooms, the guard just like walks out of the room. So it kind of looked like, yeah, it was a setup, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Scarver kills the other guy in the locker room and then he comes out to Jeff and then Scarver says, don't cry for him about the other prisoner, Jesse, and that he stabbed the Jesse stabbed his wife in the face and then that he tried to pin it on black guys. Um, and then he's like, it's nothing compared to what you did though. And he asks if it's true, if he ate their flesh and like what he did to the 14 year old boy, Jeff says, yes. Um, but he says he's returned to God and he feels changed. And then Scarver says God has spoken to him and sent him to execute Jeff. And then he does so with a weight. And um, it's really a brutal death. Um, And Dahmer doesn't fight back at all. He just completely, like, lets it happen to him. And you know, like, from seeing what Jeffrey's capable of, like, if he wanted to, he would have fought fought back because he has all this anger inside of him and he can snap and, Mm -hmm. you know, but he, he let it happen, like. I think he he knew like this was what he deserves. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it was just really brutal. I didn't I couldn't watch it the second time because it was just oh, yeah. really uh, it's horrible. Um and then Scarver says, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen, after he's finished. And yes. um uh, yeah. So Jeff's dead. And yep. Lionel gets the call that something has happened to Jeff and him and Sherry come to view the body. And Lionel's obviously like super emotional that his son has been killed. Um, And yeah, it's just so tough to know how to feel about that. But I mean, it's yours at the end of the day, like still your son. And I I can't imagine how that would be. Um, The, brain of Jeff was removed to determine the cause of death during the um the autopsy and preserved preserved oh god preserved <laughs> not cremated with the rest of his body um and the Fresno State University wanted the brain to study it and Joyce wants it to be studied and Lionel did not because it goes against Jeff's wishes and um now and they like went to a court case and Lionel ended up winning because I think somewhere it was explicitly said stated by Jeff that he didn't want any of his part of his body to go to science or that he wanted to be fully cremated. Um, so it was destroyed. And now we will never know um, if there was anything different about his brain 
and couldn't learn about it, so fuck you. And yeah, that everyone just needs to accept that we will never know definitively why he was the way that he was. And yeah, it really would have been helpful to study that brain and the chemistry and like, you know, even, I mean, if he was alive to do any kind of scans on it to see what areas were lighting up and um, just like trying to understand all of the the data we possibly can on serial killers. Um, It was such a mess. uh Such a mess. And maybe the brain was normal, but like at least we would have that data. Like, I don't know. I don't think that he deserves to have rights. Yeah, his wishes honored. Maybe that's maybe that's wrong, but I feel like when you act like that, you kind of you aren't a human, so like you don't deserve human dignity anymore. Yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I don't think he deserves dignity. But yeah. that's a big bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a really big bummer. I was really like sad about that. I was like, damn fuck yeah why why didn't someone just still keep it (laughs) right like he's dead he doesn't need his brain no um and then they just throw it in like the crematorium (laughs) they just cremate the little brain yeah like great um and then last scenes pretty much are just glenda um, she's at the grocery store. She's with her grandson. She sees the news about Jeff. It's on a, a magazine. And she's unaffected, as the pastor said she would be. But, like, I just don't really believe that. Like, in real life, she would first would be triggered by seeing him on a magazine. And then she'd probably be happy that he got what he deserved. But, like, yeah. she just, like, looked at it like, oh. And I was like, mm-hmm. not realistic, but thanks. Yeah. Um, she continues to fight for the memorial park being built where the Oxford apartments used to be. Um, and to this day, there's still no memorial, which is really just so sad. Yeah. It's really sad. I don't understand. It's a, it's really not that hard to do. Um, and that's the end. No, it's not. Yeah. And they deserve uh, that. Like some, some kind of memorial. Totally. I um, mentioned to you, like a few weeks ago, I was like, yeah, I want to like look up each of these people individually and just like at least say one thing about them that's not related to Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Um, kind of like in memoriam for mm-hmm. them because like so much of this focuses on Jeffrey and his story. And I was really sad. I'm not really sad to say that there's no information on these people besides that they were victim number this, victim number that. This is how they died. Really so I'm re- I am was really upset. I was digging for like a little while and I couldn't really find anything. Um, but I thought we could at least read their names and how old they yeah. were or something and then yeah. kind of end there. But I was so disappointed because I thought like at least we could think of like, like what was their job or like, like something about their family or like what they wanted to do or like what they were like, but Oh my God, there's nothing. So, so sad. sad. I know. Damn. Well, yeah, at least we can, we can say their names and everything. Um, yeah. Do you want to like, do a, like just switch off every other? Sure. That's fine. Yeah. Can we just read the whole, yeah. Okay. 
Um, yeah, so we're just going to read off their names and um, have a little moment for each of these each of these humans that tragically lost their life by this fucked hard. Um, Stephen Hicks, 18 years old, died on June 18, 1978. Stephen Toomey, 24 years old, died on November 20th, 1987. James Doxtater, 14 years old, January 16th, 1988. It's really interesting that they didn't touch on that at all. Yeah. Another 14 the one thing, old, you know? Yeah, the one thing I found on him was um, he had run, he was like, he had an abusive father and he ran away from home like two days before meeting Dahmer. Mm. He probably was like lured in by alcohol or something also and just like, and then, you know, but yeah, I I, I didn't realize that there was another 14 year old. Yeah. Um, Richard Guerrero, Guerrero, 22 years old. Um, died on March 24th, 1988. Anthony Sears, 24 years old, March 24th, 1989. Raymond Smith, 32 years old, May 20th, 1990. Edward Smith, 27 years old, June 1990. Ernest Miller, 23 years old, September 1990. David Thomas, 22 years old, September 24th, 1990. Curtis Strotter, 17 years old, February 1991. Errol Lindsay, 19 years old, April 7th, 1991. Tony Hughes, 31 years old, May 24th, 1991. Cotterax and Thassenphone, 14 years old, May 27th, 1991. Matt Turner, 20 years old, June 30th, 1991. Jeremiah Weinberger, 23 years old, July 5th, 1991. Oliver Lacey, 24 years old, July 14th, 1991. Joseph Bradenhoft, 25 years old, July 19th, 1991. I'm sad. I know, it's really sad. Um... I, yeah, I don't even have words. Like, it's one thing to watch this show, you know, like, like we're talking about it's Evan Peters and we know him as an actor and everything, but like, to see all of these names and they're human beings that like were, their lives were taken by this monster and it's, it's a lot of, it's just a lot. Like, yeah, it's really just... sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just like, I feel, I feel like you know we've said it before. I think like the show was really well done and like very creative, and mm-hmm. we like true crime and stuff. But yeah, like the reality of what actually happened and like how these families have to live with all of that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting to like the aftermath of the show and all the conversations that have sparked because of it. Like, I don't know. 
I I hope they get some. I mean, money's like the only thing, but like it, it can't bring back their their family members. But right, like that doesn't not even close. But wow, thanks for coming on this journey with us. Yeah, we're really gonna do something much more positive next time. <laughs> yeah, man, this is a downer. Um, I know, but also important to talk about these victims because they didn't you know they really didn't show all of them in the the show and um yeah I just think it's important that they're all known yeah and there's so much more obviously than just like a number or like Mm -hmm. you know more than just connected to Jeffrey Dahmer so I was just really upset that there's like nothing but yeah that is uh, I wonder if there's like like a book or something that someone wrote maybe and how yeah. someone wrote that, I don't know. I looked up like obituaries oh, and wow. there's like nothing. Oh, um, I saw like there's like findagrave.com and I was could find some of them but they didn't have like any information. Hmm. There was like a few pictures but yeah, yeah I guess because it was so long ago like the before um like the internet real I mean was at where it is now nowhere near it so like maybe that just isn't on there I don't know we probably you probably have to go to like the library in each of these towns and look and look at the newspapers you're right that's probably true yeah it's a shame rest and peace and and um, rest in torment to Jeffrey Dahmer. Exactly. Yep. And John Wayne Casey. Fuck you. All the other fuckers that were <laughs> talked about in this show. So they can all, um, yeah. Ed Gein. Oh, God. Those cops. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. <laughs> yep. Just throwing up middle fingers to all of these. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the end of our like really depressing series. And tomorrow's episode is actually fun. We chatted with our friend Molly that we met at TravCon um, a few weeks ago. We recorded with her and it was a great conversation. And she's awesome and super interesting. And she has like a lot to share. She's Mm a traveling OT and she's in Alaska right now. And I know that's yeah. on a lot of people's bucket lists. So she's I think doing, you guys will really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. She's the sweetest and she's living her best life right now. And it was just really, really fun to talk to her. So we hope you guys enjoy that episode and know that it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a nurse to go travel. You can be any like allied healthcare professional. So yes, yes. Yeah. Well, stay tuned for that guys. And yeah. um, talk to you next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. I feel like we got some good stuff in there. Maybe. This podcast is produced by Emily Richardson and Hannah Quirk. The intro music is by Dan Lemire. Please help us out and rate, review, and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at drunkordelirious or send us an email at drunkordelirious at gmail.com.